morning, church family. How are you? The weather is telling. The weather is telling. Welcome to Central Baptist Church. And for those who are visiting with us, please, you are welcome. And those joining online, you are also welcome. After we went through the mission conference, we took a little detour from the book of Acts to concentrate on our mission endeavors and the various areas where God would call us to bring the gospel. But one of the reasons why the gospel may not get to where it needs to get is because the church will always be saying we lack in terms of resources. And let it be said for the gospel to come to Africa, for the gospel to come to Zimbabwe, for the gospel to spread throughout the world, there were people who were willing to sacrifice, to give their lives for missions, to give their resources for mission, to support the work of God. I'm encouraged by a lot of our brothers from West Africa where they are now beginning to send missionaries around the world. There are some from Southern Africa who are also sending missionaries around the world. But Southern Africa, East Africa, we still, and even Central Africa, we still say that the church is poor. It is my conviction that the church is not poor. The church just needs to be faithful. Believers only need to be faithful and the work of God will be done effectively. And hence in our detail to concentrate on the whole situation or the subject of stewardship which Elder Mutimujie introduced the last week. God has entrusted to us amazing riches, even though it's in earthen vessels, so that the glory does not belong to us, but to God. He still sends us on this mission. So last week, Elder Mutimujie introduced us to the stewardship series, we were reminded of the three principles of developing a stewardship culture uh, when we are thinking especially in CBC. Those principles involved the fact that God is the owner of everything. Amen? <laughs> God owns you. God owns me. God owns your children, your wife, your husband, your fiancé. He is the owner of everything. 
But also God is the control. He is in control of everything. He is suggesting I'm not being heard. Thank you, Monya. He is in control of everything. He gives us strength. He, he controls our health. He controls that we are able to wake up and go to work and not go to work. He is in control. And then we were reminded that God is the provider of all our needs. He is the one who provides. This is why Jesus taught us and the disciples to seek first the kingdom of God. The needs that we worry about, they will be provided to us as well. But our priority must be to seek first the kingdom of God. As a consequence, you and I are accountable to God for everything that we do, everything that we have, everything that we are, including our very bodies. We don't own these bodies. Being accountable to God entails self-examination and a rearrangement of goals so that they line up with the teaching of Scripture. I'm simply talking about what was covered last week. Uh, for the benefit of those who, who were not in last week and those who did not watch online. So, we must be faithful with all of God's resources. We must be faithful regardless of how much we have. We must be faithful even in little things. We must honor God with all our wealth. We honor God with our wealth through giving to God. Giving to God demonstrates our faith in him to provide for all our needs. When we give to God, what we are saying is, God, I can give for your cause because I know you will take care of my needs. But sometimes we are sheepish and childish. Children are very funny. The father, the mother goes to the shop and they are doing their buyings and all the like. And then they decide to buy some candies or sweets or whatever for the children. They bring them home and give to this little person. And now the little person is holding on to these candies and is enjoying. And the same buyer goes to say, can I have some? You know what the kid says? No, I don't want. I don't want. Uh -uh. <laughs> Who gave you? But we who are adults, who are mature in the faith, we give to God, knowing that he is the provider of all that we have. So even when we give, we don't become poor because we have given to the Lord. There is no one in this whole world who has ever given to the Lord and became poor because they gave. Wow. 
Today I bring the subject of giving, not as a new subject, but to remind, to revive, and to exhort us to truly honor God, even with our resources, hence the exhortation to give. I found out that some, in some churches, when the pastor wants uh, the whole subject of giving to be talked about, they invite a guest to say, guest, come and whip these people into giving. I will not do that. I am responsible for teaching us the truth. Uh, you don't need to, don't need a hire for monya, monya for hire. <laughs> you don't need that. You need to learn what God says. So, this exhortation comes because many of us usually make unbiblical excuses why they do not give. They make unbiblical excuses for not giving. Some of them are very interesting. It is, well, I don't have a better job to enable me to give more. Yeah. It is resonating with someone there. By the way, too many people stay with me, so I cannot give. I cannot give because I still have kids who are going to school. I could give more if I wasn't in debt. And many, if only, if only, if only, would be given as excuses. But these two are unbiblical excuses for not being responsible as a child of God. Ah, but I'm a student. I'm only a homemaker. Do you not know that things are hard in Zimbabwe? However, the truth be told, most of us do not need more money so that we can give. But what we need is more faithfulness. Faithfulness. Faithfulness is what we need. That's what we must long for. Think about it. The church in Africa and in Zimbabwe in particular is not resourced for ministry, not because of the economic challenges that the country faces, not because we live in a poor country. Ah, ah. Some of us know that, yes, there is uh, disparity. There is uh, an imbalance, there are some people who are filthy rich and some who are really living in abject poverty. But Zimbabwe is not necessarily a poor country. Can you say amen? amen. Or you say, no, 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 we're poor. Who does not know? Because the moment we consider ourselves to be a poor country, when we ever meet those who come from the so-called rich countries, we are always holding our begging balls, please. We come from a poor country, please. We, No, 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 friends. 
The church today lacks resources because Christians make excuses to giving, hoping that someone else, not them, must provide for the church and even their own needs. And I want to thank God for sacrificial givers in this church. The Lord bless you abundantly and may he even increase your territory. But today, I'm calling upon those who watch from the sidelines and those who come only sometimes to receive. Our call to worship reminded us that it is more blessed to give than to receive as we heard from the book of Acts chapter 20. It is more blessed to give than to receive. What do I mean? When I receive a gift from another person, the most civil and response of gratitude is thank you so much. God bless you. Isn't it? I receive something from you. If I am a civil person who is grateful, I will say thank you. God bless you. I am grateful but I also have just prayed for you to be blessed. And the Bible says it is more blessed to give than to receive. What happens to the one who has received? They are happy. They are full of joy that this gift has come. But you have actually prayed for this one to be blessed. And indeed those prayers God hears them. I wonder to what extent, brothers and sisters, some nations continue to appear to be blessed. Is it not because they give and we continue to say, God bless them, God bless them, and he hears and blesses them. When is it going to be said, God bless you? It is more blessed to give than to receive. The receiver is just joyful, but not really blessed, not really prayed for as it were. So the passage before us is a strategic stewardship scripture, if you like. First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1 to verse 4. Here is the scripture. Listen to what it says. Now, concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay aside something aside, lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. And when I come, Whomever you approve by your letters, I will send to bear your gift to Jerusalem. But if it is fitting that I go also, they will go with me. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the blessing that it is to us. And thank you, Lord, for the challenge that you bring before us with this exhortation to learn the grace of giving, the ministry of giving. And we pray that you would 
enable our hearing, you would enable our hearts, you would enable our hands, and even our feet to be doers of the word. In Jesus' name, amen. So what we have here is a command. It's an exhortation. It's a, a mandate. It's a call to get believers in giving. You see, when we give, we are like God. When we don't give, we are not like our Father. When we give, we are like God. How? Because he is the ultimate giver. For God so loved the world that he gave. And when we give, we are imitating God. As imitators of God, we must give. For believers, giving is a Christian responsibility as well as a privilege. Just like a prayer, just like worship, just like witnessing, just like worship and fellowship. Those who are serious about their walk with God know that generous Christian giving is truth that comes straight from the word of God. Regardless of the abuses that might have happened in the world, the truth is coming from the word of God, admonishing each one of us to be givers. So I will focus on verse 2. Verse 2 that says, sums up in few words God's eternal principles of giving. On the first day of the week, let each one of you Lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collection when I come. I deliberately chose to give those breaks in the verse. When you break that verse down, at least four principles emerge, and I hope you are seeing uh, how it is broken. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper. It neatly breaks, uh, showing something that's very interesting. So, what are the principles? Quickly, perhaps those four principles will help us to arrive at where God wants us to be. The first principle is we must give regularly. Give regularly. On the first day of the week. The first day of the week is the day of worship. The Sunday when God's people gather. You see, on every Lord's day, you are to gather with the Lord's people in the Lord's house to hear his word. But you are not just to gather, you are also to bring the Lord an offering. No wonder in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 16, there was this specific instruction to God's people 
not to appear before the Lord empty. You have come together with God's people, but as you are going to the house of the Lord, you are also giving an offering to the Lord. And hence, it is a regular, it is a regular activity. In other words, on the first day of the week, you need to take time to settle your account with the Lord. Oh, oh, did I just say that? But that's the picture that's being paid here. But we need to understand what is the point. The point is, God wants you and me to take time to look back over the last seven days and record a testimony of God's work in your life by giving to him. You give to him and say, he has provided for us, even causing us to prosper in many ways. I cannot just come before the Lord empty. Handed. First Chronicles 16 verse 29 Give to the Lord the glory that is due his name Bring an offering and come before him Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness Give regularly As if you just reflect Lord, you have been so good You are not paying him But I'm grateful I'm grateful for your mercy. I'm grateful for, for your grace. I'm grateful for your provision. I am alive today. How do I just come before you empty-handed? You see, it is a discipline that we need to keep and even be reminded by the way God created us. It was Billy Graham the famous evangelist who said, the reason why God gave us two hands is that with one hand we receive, with the other we give. But if it is receive, 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 then we become the dead sea that does not pour out its water. And it is dead. We are blessed to bless. We are blessed to bless. God gives us, so we give. That is our calling. So not only are we to give regularly, but we are also to give responsibly. Uh, this comes from that little phrase, let each one of you. Did you just hear that? Let each one of you. Everyone has a responsibility to give. While this message was originally addressed to the saints at Corinth by the Apostle Paul, that message applies to the believers today. You and me, the believers in Central Baptist Church. Let each one of you. No believer is excluded the young and the old, the rich, the poor, the parents, the children, the workers, the students, market professionals and homemakers, all are having a responsibility to give to the Lord. And this is very important. 
And for that reason, we know Jesus received or he commanded, Jesus commanded the widows two coins. Why? This was to teach us that no one is too poor to give. Hello. No one is too poor to give. Because Jesus does not necessarily look at what you give. Hello. He does not necessarily look at what you give. But he looks at what you keep for yourself. The approval, the measure of why God would say, well done, is not what I have given, but it's what I keep for myself. And for that poor widow, he looked at them while they were bringing the offering and he saw everyone. And as people were bringing, they were taking out of plenty which they had and they put there keeping a lot for themselves but when he saw the widow coming the widow did not leave something for herself there but all that she heard and so he said this one has given more than everyone else because his eyes, his heart watches looks at that which we keep for ourselves. Because that's the standard. No one is too poor to give. But Jesus also received the wealth that came from Barnabas. I mean the apostles. They received the wealth that came from Barnabas to demonstrate that no one would be too rich to sacrifice for God. In the book of Acts, we were introduced to Barnabas who actually sold all that he had and then he brought the, the, the proceeds before the apostles and the mission work was carried to where we are today. And then, just immediately after Barnabas had done that, Ananias and Sapphira, Ananias and Sapphira really wanted to just say, Barnabas cannot outdo us. So they said, we have also sold our land and we have brought everything. When they were lying, do you see what God is doing? He does not look at the amount, but he looks at the condition of your heart. And Peter asks, was this not yours even before you brought this? Why are you lying to the Holy Spirit? Why did you agree, all of you, that we would make a lie? He looks at the heart and what you keep for yourself. No one is too rich to give. No one is too poor to give. Well, someone might ask, am I to give if I don't feel like it? Well, let me say your life is or would be a mess if you lived it by your feelings. None of us today would be married if we determined marriage by feelings. The married people know what I'm talking about. 
They'll tell you that your spouse is not always warm, fun, and exhilarating. Sometimes you have sick, nasty feelings about each other. Jokingly, but I meant, I think he meant it. One man said that when he was first married, he loved his wife so much that he would have eaten her. And now he wished if he had. <laughs> Where is the warm and fuzzy feeling when your spouse ro rolls over in the early morning and you can see the words as they come out because their breath is so bad? Ouch. But it's not about feelings. You see, there are three levels of giving. It's not if we give because of feelings, there's a problem. Three levels of giving. I have to. That is because there's a law that demands that you give. Or I need to. That means you have an obligation. But the best kind of giving is I want to. It is coming out of love. It is coming out of love. When meaningful giving comes from the heart, not just the checkbook, not just from your pocket. Giving is not just an obligation to get God off your back. No, no, no. It is an opportunity to get God perhaps in my life. I want to. I love to. So, give regularly. Give responsibly, each one of you. Third, give resolutely. You resolve. It will not happen on its own. Lay something aside. And this business begins during the week. It does not happen on Sunday morning when you are rushing to go to church. But during the week, you lay something aside. Uh, now, don't say what you have laid aside and say, now I'm taking this to the house of the Lord. And then there is an emergency. Uh, Lord, I'm going to take that which I had laid aside. If you do not resolve to do it, it won't happen. We are to lay aside a proportionate amount how is it proportionate as God has prospered you? That's the text. There is no exact amount of, or percentage that is given here. But the matter is determined by two things. The blessing of God upon you as a person and the love and obedience that you have as a believer. That is what determines what you put aside to give to the Lord. While people will differ on the tithe, Laying aside a percentage amount, 10%, is only a starting point. For me, this is what everyone can and should give. But there is not a one person who is too rich or too poor who cannot at least give a tenth of what they have or what the Lord blesses them. My own experience is that... ah. If I am deciding to tithe on $10, 
I tend to even give maybe two dollars or three. Because if I take a dollar out of ten and I'm holding the nine and say, okay, this is for the Lord, just looks queer. I then tend to put a little bit more. But the higher the amount grows, the more you begin to see even the ten as too much. It will be better that we rejoice that we continue giving even when that amount continues to grow. In fact, there are others who have a goal to say, how would it be that perhaps since all I have is God's money, when he blesses me so much, I begin to move until I can only depend on the tenth and the ninety percent I give to the Lord. Are you serious, Pastor? You are, you are just saying that. But if God has not touched our lives that we are able to do that, the work of God that is before us will continue to always be. We can't do this. We can't do this because there is no money. There is no money. And when God's people still can do many things because even though there is no money, they make it a priority. They make it a priority. Uh, Templeton in the Plus magazine uh, counseling several people uh, with the investment. This is what he had to say. I have watched 100,000 families over my years of investment counseling. I always saw greater prosperity and happiness among the families who tithed than among those who didn't. Perhaps that's a beautiful thing. That you actually, you don't become poor because you gave to the Lord. You prosper. But not just prospering materially. You are a happy person. You know why? Because in the very first place, you are not guilty of being a thief. You are happy. Everyone should give and can give the tithe. But those experiencing greater material prosperity or blessing have to take a greater part than those who are materially poor. If you have more, you should want to give more because you are able to give more according to how the Lord has prospered you. Do not be stuck to a strict 10% and say you cannot give more when you easily and regularly spend maybe over 20 to $30 or more on Sunday, eat out, especially today when the weather is like this. Hey, are we going to cook or are we going to the restaurant? Watch what will have been put into the offer tree and what will be given. <laughs> I'm not discouraging you to eat out today. Please go ahead and eat out. But I just want you to think about it as you will go to eat out and say, oh, this is very interesting. Oh, some will go out for a golf tournament, football, game, and whatever concert. And 
All of these being done at the expense of honoring God by giving. You see, God has told us, I have heard some people who say, well, at the moment, the church is not responding to the needs in Sunday school. I'm not going to give to church. I'm going to give to Sunday school. The church is not responding to the needs in evangelism. I'm going to give there. I do not refuse you to give there, but that does not excuse you for your responsibility to give in the house of the Lord. In the Old Testament, the offering was to come to the tabernacle, to the temple later. And in the New Testament, the offering comes on the first day of the week when you come to worship with the Lord in the church. Don't you like this guy by the name Andre Guide? Complete possession is proved only by giving. All you are unable to give possesses you. No, think about it. Complete possession is only proved by giving. If you cannot give, that which you cannot give possesses you. Lastly, but not least, give reflectively. Give reflectively, storing up as he may prosper. The King James Version says, as God has prospered you. This is a recognition that God is the cause and giver of all prosperity. All our giving begins with the assumption that God is the cause and giver of all prosperity. So God is our ultimate provider. Not your education, not your resume, not your company, not your personality, not your connections, not your skills. But God is the ultimate provider. And this God, whom you have come to know through the Lord Jesus Christ, is good and generous to you. He is the one who strengthens you today. So when we sing the song, count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Hey, that statement is to say, it is God who has led you thus far. We need to slow down a little bit and reflect on God's goodness. God has given us salvation. He has given us adoption as sons. He has given us his word. He has given us the church health, a job, a salary, family, friends, you name it, see what God has done. This verse reminds us that all that we have, it's God who has done. And it doesn't say that our giving starts when we become prosperous. No, it says that our giving should immediately begin because God has already prospered us. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 declares, It is God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. And giving is a means of celebrating the goodness and the generosity of God. That's why 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 9 says, 
God loves a cheerful giver. The word cheerful is from the Greek word hilarious, from which we get the English word hilarious. Wow. Why does God love a hilarious giver, so to say? This is because the hilarious giver understands his real source and his real status. His real source is God. And the status is, I am blessed. I am blessed. Today, your day has arrived and you are able to give based on what God has already done for you. Take an inventory of what God has done for you and on that basis, you give. You give. This is why St. Francis of Assisi said, for it is in giving that we receive. It is in giving that we receive. You don't have to wait to give since you have been blessed. You need to be a blessing. We need to be blessing. Listen to what John Wesley, that uh, Methodist preacher and founder, said. These wonderful words. When a man becomes a Christian, he becomes industrious trustworthy and prosperous. Now if that man, when he gets all he can and saves all he can and does not give all he can, I have more hope for Judas Iscariot than for that man. Hmm. My brothers and sisters, it is more blessed to give than to receive. One Baptist church has a motto which goes like this. Wake up, pray up, sing up, preach up, Pay up and never give up. Let up, back up, or shut up until the cause of Christ is built up. Friends, this is the kind of commitment that we all need to go about obeying the great commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And obeying the great commission, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Being Christ-like, through the honor of God's name, the extension of his kingdom, and the performance of his will. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. And we just pray that you take it and apply it to our hearts. And help us to sift what else could have just been said by men or from a human point of view. And let your word endure forever for the salvation of our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we will sing this song.
I surrender all to you. Uh, I give myself so you can use me as we sing. Let's hilariously give. 